You're listening to the Wouldn't It Be Cool podcast with Chris Dempsey. Welcome to episode nine, Wouldn't It Be Cool podcast. I'm Chris Dempsey. And um, you can reach me at wouldn't it be cool podcast at gmail.com. Please do reach out. And you can follow at Instagram at wouldn't it be cool and Facebook wouldn't it be cool. Um, please do all that and reach out all the time. Please let me know how you're feeling, how stuff's going. Again, I'm having a good time, so I hope you're digging it. Um, and let's see. So episode nine is um, interesting. The The reason this one was really cool to me is I was going to North Carolina to visit uh, my wife's family, my sister-in-law and family. Amazing people, by the way. <clears throat> and um, I reached out to Elena and said, um, you know, I'm coming and I think it'd be fun to do a podcast, uh, kind of a remote recording while I'm there in North Carolina. And so she, uh, just kind of gave it some thought and thought that, I don't know, the interesting thing is it was, it was, it's the nearest person to her besides her family, of course, but it's her personal trainer, Blaze, Blaze Thompson. And he is, you know, she sees him every day and she thinks, well, maybe this will be cool. This will be an interesting story. And it just ended up becoming a really good example of um, how um, everyone does have a story and um, everyone is doing something cool, potentially. Um, so I set it up with with him and I went down there and just ended up meeting like the coolest guy um, has an amazing story, is doing an amazing job, amazing work with people in his personal training and sort of group training. He works at a gym in uh, Greensboro. <clears throat> and um, I really, really enjoyed meeting this guy. Um, and it just, I think you'll enjoy it as well. He's uh, just a really interesting guy. And like I said, just doing, you know, an amazing job with people. Um, so um, the negative to this is... Um, that something happened in the recording and I lost <clears throat> the last maybe three minutes um, where I basically, where we both basically say goodbye. And um, uh, I had to push pause and maybe I didn't push record again, but I lost the last few minutes. Um, but uh, he, he was extremely gracious. Um, I was extremely gracious, uh, grateful, I should say. Um, and just told him what, you know, an amazing guy he is and, and the, the great work he's doing and to keep it up. Um, and he, like I said, just, you know, was, was really grateful for the opportunity to be able to do it. Um, I think he had a lot of fun. So the episode kind of ends with him saying, can we take a time out for a second? And I push pause and then it goes away. But, um, he just, um, needed a time out because he needed to say, uh, to tell me that he had an appointment that he could not. Uh, push off any further so he wanted to go longer I wanted to go longer we could have talked all day we really hit it off so um, enjoy meeting Blaze Thompson and um, check him out as well out there in the world in Greensboro North Carolina Blaze Thompson he's he's uh, Blaze Fitness all right people enjoy the show thanks We're rolling. Boom. Boom, we're on. <laughs> cool. That's so you're you like um that's where you do the, the training and you just have like your desk over there and that mm-hmm. whole space. Yeah. Right on. It's paradise. I bet it is. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Is it um is it uh, you manage the whole place or do you manage like that spot? No, technically I'm at uh, the um director of adult fitness programming right. at this stage. I've come through a lot of different transitions here, yeah. uh, but I'm specifically in charge of personal training as well as group fitness training. Yeah. So not group X classes like you'd find a traditional gym, but more the athletic-based training for adults, mm-hmm. boot camp, special programming, yeah. uh, exclusive programming. That's lots of ways to talk about it, but yeah. you know, it's different levels of accountability. Yeah. So we have like our silver, gold, and platinum 
silver being just a member of the gym. Mm -hmm. You can take the classes like body pump, sculpt, as well as use the equipment. Uh, Gold level of service will be our PSP adult class, prolific sports performance, Mm -hmm. which, you know, for lack of a better way to think of it, it competes with CrossFit, right? Right. That's super popular uh, athletic-based training that we do here. But we focus more on um, a sport aspect to it and that we want to keep people safe. We don't use as much Olympic lifting. Mm -hmm. We do more um, deadlift and squat and add some dynamic effort Mm -hmm. uh, in bands and chains and speed lifts. Uh, But just take the pressure off the joints a little bit Uh, because our clientele is basically 35 to 60-year-old. we got 70% females that come in to those classes, and they're just not looking to, you know, win the next CrossFit Games. They want to be healthy. And um, so that level of service, you come in, and the workouts are on the board. You have the option of doing body fat testing once Mm -hmm. every quarter. You also um, have the accountability of knocking out our one, two, three protocol, which is uh, one day a week to plan and execute your nutrition. So if you mm-hmm. option to, you can bring in food charts. Two days a week of strength training as a minimum, which are workouts that are on the board, and three days a week of cardio, which one of the workouts on the board is always metabolic conditioning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and outside of that, that level of service knows they need to work out. They just they don't necessarily need somebody hovering over them. That's why they have the right. option. We're a little right? self-motivated. Yeah. yeah. And then our platinum service is one-on-one personal training or exclusive group training where it's the same time, same day, same people, mandatory food check every week, mm. weigh you in, and body fat test every month to make yeah. sure you're moving in the right direction. You have yeah. a lot of those? Yeah. That's uh, right now probably our most um, – Utilized. Uh, yeah, and profitable as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if we're just looking at it from a gym standpoint, mm-hmm. you know, because you, you can only fit so many training clients in an hour. Right. Uh, I've been really fortunate to get to work with a lot of good people. been doing this business now for about 15 years and have had that time where I've had as many as 56 sessions a week, mm. you know, which is uh, – It's a grind, man. The personal it, training business is a grind. Like when group – when the concept of group training came along, it was such a like a sort of no-brainer, like aha moment. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, I can train. I can give – Six people, ten people, the same workout. I'm giving that one, right, and really maximize my like hour, yeah. my hour. And it's you know with that, it's also important to have some standards, you know, and a system so that you can fit people into those boxes. I I try to start everybody out with that one on one system and make sure that they know mm. we know where they are and exactly. anywhere from you, yeah, yeah, four to six weeks. What are your injuries? What are your limitations? Yeah. Are you healthy? And at the end of that six weeks, give them the option, do you know who you are? Are you the type yeah. of person who needs accountability? Mm-hmm. we got a couple of different options for that. And if you're mm-hmm. or are you somebody who can is intrinsically motivated and will do this on your own. Yeah. yeah. And it also gives you an opportunity to let them know what you're looking for. Right. You know, like when I train someone, I have kind of a, I, I describe it as a checklist from your toes to your nose, you know, where um, I literally physically give you a checklist of, of things to, to check off that you're, that you're, when you're going through a movement, you have these, you know, how are your feet positioned? How are your hips positioned? The timing of rotation, you know, all these different things. Mm-hmm. And um, so when you're in that group, you don't always get to get over to someone and, and just like dial them in all the time, you know? So like that one-on-one is a good opportunity to give them that checklist and begin their muscle memory. Right. Right. And I guess of the three services, the one that is dearest to me is that middle tier, mm. you know, that gold tier, the PSP adult class, and that it actualizes what we teach you mm. know, with our our one, two, three model and not having to have somebody hover over you. My goal yeah. is to empower people right. you know, and to give them the gift of you can do this for yourself. Yeah, exactly. and that I want them to be able to come in and you know, I'd love for everybody to be able to write their own workout and nail it. Yeah. But at minimum, I want them to be able to come in anytime and see what's up and do it on their own. And make it their playground. Yeah, you know, and that's it's funny. Kind of, it's, it's stuff like I used to say, same yeah. sort of thing. Like eventually, you don't need me anymore. That's my right. goal in a weird way. Well, I mean, if it if I could do this for free, I would. Yeah. You know, I'm very fortunate to do something I enjoy. Yeah. Um, and recently, it's like I, I want to try to put a deeper level of care into it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think when I first for myself, you know, because I look at my journey, when I first lifted weights. Yeah, I was a wrestler, and right. it was about competition. yeah. You have a wrestler build. Yeah, it's like your look, like your. I'm looking at a rugged guy, people like crazy, yeah, crazy (laughs) ripped. No, I, uh, and then it was about, I want to get big, you know? And I had that whole period of my life where I tried to validate myself, you know, uh, definitely until I was about probably from 18 to 23 where it was, I would torture my friends literally and, uh, 
play this really funny stuff, but I would like play the Star Wars music and pose down and <laughs> make them watch. And they still like they're haunted by it. Yeah, but yeah. I was a big dude. I was like, you boy, tell me if it looks good. You right, know, yeah, yeah. terrible. So uh <laughs> you know, but as that has changed, what I've realized now is that the weights don't change, you know, mm-hmm. like regardless of my day, regardless of what's happening in my life, the iron doesn't have feelings. It doesn't care mm-hmm. if I'm in a good mood, bad mood. It's just there. Yeah. And those moments when the weight's really heavy, it's like the world disappears, you know, and, and I'm in that moment. So in a form, it, in a way, it's mindful meditation. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's mindful movement. Yeah. Um, and it's taking care of yourself from the inside out. I believe that, you know, minus too much pre-workout. But that's what it really is. What is that? What do you mean? Well, I'm just being silly that in that you can take pre-workout, you know, the jack me up stuff and then it just turns into a fiasco. I I try to have enough balance to, like I said, not be, I'm 38 and be conscious of what's really healthy. Right. Um, Fitness is funny. It's not necessarily based in health. You know, I think it, and that's something I've had to learn just through a journey in the past few years. Um, Growing up, reading bodybuilding magazines and things like that as a kid, you know, you're taught certain things like you got to have X number of grams of protein or you're going to yeah. shrink tonight. Yeah. You know? And, um, <laughs> you know, I guess a couple of years ago I looked in the mirror and I was like 235. I've been as big as 235 and yeah. it's been as little as 145 as a wrestler. Wow. And, um, I've done a little bit of everything, you know, and in college I had this brief time where I, you know, use some illegal substances like mm. steroids, small mm. amounts and never got out of control with it. But it was all about, uh, you know, from the inside out, not feeling good enough and mm. trying to find something to get to that number that would make me okay. You know, and, yeah. uh, that you didn't even know what it was. Yeah. And, yeah. and it, it didn't serve me. I realized early on that that didn't serve me, mm. you know? And, um, I guess a couple of years ago though, I was supposedly power lifting, but really I was power eating, right? I had right. gotten a little chunky and I was like 235. And so I went on a quest to lose weight um, and just get myself in better shape because I never looked bad as far as I've always carried a good mm. physique. I mean, mm. that's part of what we do, you know, but um, it wasn't where I wanted to be. It wasn't healthy, you mm. know? So I started challenging myself to get out of my comfort zone. I did uh, juice fasting, intermittent, everything I'd heard of just to see what they all were. Because mm-hmm. I'd always done that, eat protein every three hours, get a certain number of grams of protein per pound of body weight deal. And uh, what I found over that time was that I didn't disappear. Right. You know, and I haven't really lost strength. And I'm right. now about 180 to 185, depending on the day. Yeah. And I'm just as strong, you know, minus a few injuries here and there to right. my connective tissue from some of the dumb stuff I did years ago. Right. You know, so... Wow. Have you ever, not to like steer this subject in in any particular way, but you're kind of ripe for veganism. Have you ever like, like spiritually speaking and like journey and, and like what you're, you know, what it sounds like you're searching for. Uh, I I love meat. I mean, we are in North Carolina. (laughs) I understand. Yeah. I'm not afraid. I, I I'm down to try anything. Yeah, yeah you I, should give it a try, man. Like, um, again, not to steer, just a just a quick offshoot here. Like, yeah. I was a, I was a person where the um, people would joke, "Why are you even looking at the menu? You know, you're getting a hamburger." Mm-hmm. I would get a hamburger everywhere I went, and not that I even considered myself a big meat eater. It's just that I didn't not eat meat, and I just I liked a hamburger and all that. And then um, when I turned, when I was about forty seven ish. Um, I just noticed like my body was finally starting to change because I'm like leaner than you. You know what I mean? Like um, taller, lean, mm-hmm. like my body type is um, not lean, like you're lean, but um, you know what I mean? Like I'm never, mm-hmm. I'm not a bulky dude and I'm never going right. to get bulky. But there I was at like 47 and all of a sudden I'm just like, I'm looking like a little chunkier than normal. And this was very, like I rode my bike across country. I left mm-hmm. at 167 and I came home at 167. Wow. I rode 90 miles a day for seven weeks, and I didn't gain or lose one pound, right. to give you an idea where I was, right? And all of a sudden, I'm like, and I was up to 194 mm. of just like, and I was working out every day. This is when I had the gym. And so I started doing my food like, okay, it's got to be in the kitchen. It's obviously not in the gym. I'm literally working out harder than I ever have every single day. And so I start looking into food things and different diets and different food philosophies and it leads me to it just leads me to the meat and dairy industry so Mm -hmm. i start looking into the meat and dairy industry and i um and and the first thing that struck me was the 
so so I don't I don't I don't want to get into the whole end, but it's the 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 industry horrified me. Oh yeah, and so it instantly made me say, well, I watched this one particular documentary, Earthlings, and I and I announced to the world, I'm never eating meat again. Mm-hmm. I'm never eating any animal product again. And since I did, at that point, again, like 194, I lost 25 pounds. Hmm. And and again, I looked essentially like I do. Like that that one ninety four, that extra twenty five pounds was you know dispersed, but I but I could see it, you know. And um, so I lost like this weight. I didn't lose any strength. I didn't lose any endurance. I I gained a ton of energy. And then what came for like spiritually and emotionally was wild, you know. Like I just my compassion level just grew like crazy. Mm. Um, it really it's that's why I'm like bringing it up. Like, like what it sounds like you're kind of going through and, and like continually take yourself through. Um, you, you, you should give it a try. Yeah. Like you would, what you would not lose in just the food you're eating and, and your physical world, you would gain in, um, in a real kind of, you know, I know how this sounds, but like a spiritual awakening, like you would like, it's, it's really wild how it happens. It's it's pretty interesting. Like you you get this level of compassion that you're like you just you you look out for things and it, and it just grows and grows and grows. Like I mean, it's again as stupid as it sounds. Like even when I see a bug on my shoulder, I'm just like my first instinct is not to just like kill it and slap it. Right. It's just like just go go enjoy your life. Just get off my shoulder. Yeah. You know, like just give it a try. Yeah. Well, I, like I said, I. If you're willing to try it, give it 30 days. Yeah, I'm what a big plan. I'm a big fan of spiritual awakenings. Yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. that's what was neat about this journey with the other ways that I've changed it as of now. It's I definitely believe in balance. You know, yeah. um, I don't know. Part of me just loves a good steak, but mm-hmm. I don't try to do that every meal. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, but it's been nice to see that the things that I learned from the, you know necessarily the fitness industry aren't the truth. Mm-hmm. And then on a deeper level, it it's more about you know, how it makes you feel. So, yeah, yeah, it's funny. I've recently been working or playing with the idea of taking meat out for a while. Mm -hmm. I've been, uh, for about a year, I've been thinking. (laughs) For about a year. But I haven't actually done it. You know, part of it's just lack of knowledge of what I would put in. You know, I have, I have such a routine now and that's part of what makes it easy. So um, understanding, because you got to, from my, the little bit I know about it, you have to Mm -hmm. pair things together pretty intelligently to make that happen. You, you, there, there's a whole science behind that for sure. Yeah. yeah but if you, uh, I'm kind of, my, my process has been, I eat quantity, I eat variety. Yeah. You know, as long as I just eat a ton of variety throughout the day and, uh, you know, and enough calories, yeah. um, I've, I've just been very open to keeping an eye on it and staying aware of my body and staying aware of how I feel. And, and so, so do, you, do you fish and eggs at all? No. Neither one? Zero animal. Okay. Well. That will be a hard sell for me, Chris. Yes, I know. <laughs> I know. It's funny. We were, we're, you know, again, like here in North Carolina, it feels like it's, it's, it is a little bit of a different culture where we're from, right. you know? So, and it, and I don't know if I'm just sort of making assumptions, but I, I feel like it's, you know, like now everyone's into their meat and their, you know, their barbecues and their pork roasts and all that stuff. But we went to a pretty cool restaurant last night and uh, uh, crafted. Yeah. We went there and there are a lot of good, very like, I think they had two or three things on the menu that could not be made vegan. And our waitress was vegan. Yeah. Well, and the truth is there's pockets, you know, it depends on the, the culture of the area you're in. I mean, there's a big difference in Greensboro and in Charlotte and and just what you'll find in those areas, you know, definitely some areas that are more open to kind of new age thought. I mean, that's, you could be the one that would, could bring Greensboro mm. to the, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I try to tell the truth, man, and I, I like some meat. Yeah, so yeah, anyway, yeah. but I would be willing to try anything. So who's yeah, else? Yeah, yeah. Give it a month. There we go. Yeah, you'll feel. You'll. I guarantee you'll feel it. You know whether you whether you choose the, you know if you do all your if you do all your due diligence of the uh, the environmental impacts, the animal impacts, and your health. And just, just you don't even have to do the research on the health. Just watch a few documentaries. I can give you a list of those, and then, mm. um, and then just pay attention to how you feel. And I guarantee you, you'll you'll feel it. And then, if those other issues make an impact, your comment about balance, like everything sort of in balance, or right. is that those things become so important to you that it becomes a non-issue. 
Yeah. Like it's, it is no more balance. You don't miss any, like I don't miss anything. I don't, you know, I don't long for anything. It's just such a non-issue because other things are so important to me. Okay. Boom. I'm listening. Cool. I'm, no, I, I'm liking it. I'm, I'm definitely at this stage where I'm in a way looking to just accept and be more unconditionally loving period. Yeah. And I think yeah. in some ways, that's what I, I mean. I understand That's what I'm the hearing. cruelty aspects of it. There's some terrible oh, things dude. that happen in that industry, obviously, and not to mention the chemicals and the artificial ways that these animals mm. are fed. I mean, mm. I, I know a lot of those things. Yeah. So we'll just see what barbecue sauce on tofu tastes like. <laughs> it actually tastes pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So, um, all right, man. So how'd you get into this? All right. Well, uh, you know, I've kind of been in fitness my whole life. Yep. My mother... Um, was in fitness. She was. Oh, right on. Yeah, she had a fitness television show when I was a kid. Oh, cool. So uh, I would ride the bus. I remember riding to school in fifth grade and kids on the bus would be like, I saw your mom in her leotard last night. <laughs> yeah. I would fight kids on the bus. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's something that's been in my family forever. Uh, she, her stories are that she ran, you know, every day up until like, basically the day I was born. So yeah. I was bouncing around in the right, room. Right. Um, Used to movement already. Yeah. yeah. And I, I you know, I played sports and I guess really started lifting weights for the first time in about seventh grade. I had a next door neighbor uh, who welded equipment together at that time. He was making Smith machines and mm. all that and selling them to gyms. And so I'd hang out at his house and ask him if I could go in, the, in his little room and work out. I remember being nice. in there in the middle of the at like seven or eight o'clock at night is like a you know a ten year old twelve year old kid doing shoulder presses right. in the mirror and um, that's awesome yeah so never really got into a big routine until um, probably like junior year sophomore year of high school where I my mom I, you know she was smart enough to know that I would never listen to her I was very uh, strong willed mm-hmm. I'll say mm-hmm. so she got me some um, time with a guy who was like a national champion bodybuilder and so that was my first influence yeah. into really working out and he was great a guy here in, that's local to Greensboro named Michael Broadway still in touch with him yeah yeah, yeah. he's a mentor and a friend nice. Nice. Um, some of his journey and mine are a little different you know, yeah. in aspects of things it takes to be a bodybuilder on that level um, versus you know my personal journey never took me there it's not what I wanted to do but Outside of that, I'd learned a lot of good skills, and I learned a lot about training um, and how to treat people, because Mike mm. was great with people and still is. Uh, from there, I went to uh, East Carolina University, and um, you know, I actually majored in management with a minor in nutrition and uh, business, and wasn't sure that being in fitness was what I wanted to do. You know, I wanted mm. to make money, and, mm. and I didn't know what I wanted to do. But throughout that entire time, I had a passion for working out. Mm. Uh, I've been through a lot of things in my life, and there's never, despite any circumstance, been a time that I didn't work out. You right. know? Like it's just, it's the one thing I've ever done consistently. You know, and um, I get emotional talking about it. <laughs> like mm. it, uh, it's a part of me. Mm. You know, and so through college and through high school and all those times, I was always writing workouts for me and for my friends. Like you know, I think a bunch of teenagers do called shredded wheat and full metal jacket or whatever. <laughs> yeah, like we had right, right. our little Shred- mass attack and um, shredded wheat. Yeah, That's funny. dude. So when I got out of school, I got a job in Nashville, Tennessee, and I moved out there and lived there for about a year. And um, during that time, my manager was asking me to make him workouts, and I had another guy that I was working out with because I would always meet the bed, try to find the biggest guy and try to be his weightlifting partner because mm. that's how you learned how to get bigger and yeah, stronger. Yeah. And uh, you know, he had been a football player and never really trained, and so I built him some routines that just flowered him. Mm. And I mean, he could have walked on any stage and won a show because oh, I'd cool. been going to shows throughout my life watching, you know, and I could pinpoint who would win every one. It just Kind of, I mean, I was creepy in middle of high school. I would read bodybuilding magazines, and you could just take a picture of just a bicep right. and not show me any other part of the guy, and I could not tell you exactly who it was. Yeah, you know, that's like, funny. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it was a little obsessive. but uh, And you got your Arnold Schwarzenegger classic shirt well, on. Uh, like I'm going to tell you a funny story about that because that, that totally um, was not what I expected, to be honest. Uh, but with that, that job, that corporate job, man, just didn't it, it wasn't for me. Yeah. I, I helped our company make a lot of money. I saved us some money. And I had staff that worked for me. Basically, I ran a kitchen like a middle school and elementary school and high school, private kitchen. I started like on a food court right? Mm. at a college. And it was like the 23-year-old guy. And of course, I was a narcissistic thinking I'm like the man. And here I am on this <laughs> food court. With, and I was like, this sucks. Yeah. And so quickly, I did whatever I could to get moved up. And I was very fortunate to get moved up. And 
um, and got this management position running these three kitchens. And my first day, it was awesome. I can, I, I, I generally cuss a lot, right? So my first day there, dude, this, uh, I'm walking up to the back of the building and there's this black lady leaning on a pole and she looks at me. And the first day, I never met her. She goes, well, there's that motherfucker. Right, <laughs> I'm like, oh shit, and it was awesome. You know, it made me laugh because that was my people. That's how it was. I, yeah. I talk a lot of shit like immediately and think I'm the man. And she was just funny as so, hell. And I called a meeting. Was like, look, this account has been here for 20 years, and it has nothing to do with the company that I work for. It mm-hmm. has everything to do with you. So tell me what will help you, and that's what I want to try to do to make things better here. And um, we kicked ass, you know, and we. I found a way to like fix our purchasing and rework some of their schedules to save us a bunch of money. And I wanted to. Now, I put together this presentation and took it to my boss because I wanted to give each employee an hour rate, dollar an hour raise. Mm. So I mean, like 12 bucks an hour. They've been there for like 10, 15 years, mm. you know, 20 years. And um, my boss was like, well, we only give a raise once a year and it's not that time right now. And I was like, well, look, dude, uh, I like the, the regional directors coming in next week. How about I talk to him about it? He's like, that's what you want to do. I was like, that'd be great. So I put together like the spreadsheets and schematics and all that and showed him where we'd been, how we'd saved already over a three-month period and what the projection was for the end of the year and how giving them a dollar raise would only take like a third of that profit that we would have never had if I hadn't Mm -hmm. fixed all this crap, you know? And this guy was like, uh, I can see you've put a lot of planning into this and you've really done your diligence. And what we're going to do is we're going to sit on it for six months, you know? <laughs> Until it's time for yeah. us to give a raise. No, no. And he's like, and as far as the rule about giving a raise once a year, yeah. that's not a Sodexo policy, right? That is Brad's policy. Right. So me, I realized like my GM doesn't have the balls to tell me the truth that mm-hmm. he's a, you know, he's really a cocksucker, mm-hmm. right? Like he is about money and mm-hmm. doesn't care about these people at all and can't even stand up for that for himself, you know? And that, mm-hmm. that disappointed me and pissed mm-hmm. me off, you Big know? Time. And then, Second, that this regional manager, I said, dude, we've been doing this for three months. They were willing to sacrifice and change their schedules to do something good for the business, you know, and um, I, it hurt my feelings bad, mm. you know, and I, I went back to the kitchen and I got them all in there and looked at them and I was just like, guys, they're not going to do it. And I mm. freaking teared up, you know, because mm. I felt so bad. And immediately this lady, I'll never forget her, Miss Lucille looked at me and she was like, because I call it, it was, that's how they, we address each other. And mm-hmm. she's just like, uh, it's okay, baby. We knew they weren't going to do it. Mm-hmm. You know? And I just, it just struck me that not only mm-hmm. did the management side not worry about screwing these people over, yeah. but at the same time, they were okay with it. Yeah, yeah. And it just blew me away. And I went home that night and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. You know? And um, the next morning I got a phone call from my mom who'd opened a bigger gym. And she was like, I want you to come run the gym, be the manager. I need help. And it was like the next morning, you know? And so I was like, that's a sign. And that Mm -hmm. was about one year to the day that I'd moved to Nashville and uh, I took off. And so that was back up here. Yeah, that was 2002. Mm -hmm. Came back to Greensboro from Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, worked at a place called Pure Energy Health and Wellness. Julie Luther's Pure Energy Health and Wellness. That's my mom, local celebrity. And uh, that's hilarious, dude. It was cool for about a year <laughs> yeah. where we got along, and I was able to create systems and actually manage. Because she had always just my mom raised me and my brother by herself. My father was yeah. a you know an alcoholic who was in and out of jail, and yeah. my mom came through a couple of divorces and. She was a strong-willed woman who raised this by herself and busted her ass at times when I was a kid working three or four jobs, you know. And she ended up getting this business off the ground with sheer willpower, dude. I mean, yeah. like, people still talk about my mom all the time. Anywhere I go, introduce myself in this town. It's like, oh, you're Julie's son, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. just now at the point where people know me for my, <laughs> you know, for me too. And I mean, it's all good. I mean, it's, I've learned a lot from her yeah. in that recept, respect, but she didn't have the systems and the, the yearly marketing plans and the things in place to make a business run well, like yeah. daily checkoff sheets, basics. Yeah. But we found about a year into it that um, I was really better with people than I was with numbers. Yeah. And I started running boot camps. And at that time, the fitness- in the, For the same gym? Yeah, for her. For her. Yeah. We would do these outdoor camps with 50 people in the mm-hmm. summer. Nice. So it was 2000 and two summer 2003 and i went and got a training certification you know you can get anything for training certifications and i got this mail order thing and they passed you the book and the test at the same time and i'm like oh this is legit filled out the the thing and turned it in but i always wanted to have integrity you know so i did my best to to teach them what i knew you know from all this really i'd been in school for weightlifting from the time i was 12 years old you know and um 
my practical knowledge was really, really high. So I, uh, I would train these camps and it was just a natural role for me to stand in front of people and yell at them and act silly and have fun mm-hmm. and have a lot of levity and, and carry a group. It's something yeah. I'm talented at. I mean, knock on wood, it's, yeah. it is, you know, and, uh, at that time the industry was ripe for that, especially in our market. And it yeah. was, we would kill it. It was fantastic. And it created where the other cool thing was like, you know, the fitness industry for big gyms you generally have the membership and like 70% of those people don't even come to the gym. Yeah. You know, we were a small gym and 70% of our members showed up. Yeah. And if you took a camp, I'd get 70 of those people to join the gym because mm-hmm. they, we just created such a buzz and an atmosphere between me and her and um, how much energy there was. Yeah, so that's cool. Yeah, man, I, I did that and it was great. And then, um, you know, over time we butted had some and in yeah. 2006, I got the opportunity to train a NASCAR driver, uh, Kyle Petty. He came into our gym. Like and, Petty? Yeah. The, the like, Petty? Like, like a, Richard a Petty was his dad yeah, and yeah, Kyle right. was the guy that drove the Melly Yellow car that yeah. was in Days of Thunder, right? Um, oh, yeah. Kyle was... You know, in the '80s, late '80s, early '80s, he was big time. '90s, yeah. he was big time. He, yeah. you know, he never won 100, 200 races like his dad, but he won some races. Mm-hmm. He'd win stuff in North Carolina a lot, Rockingham, a um, few others, and he was a great dude, man. Mm-hmm. He came in and his son had died in a wreck, and he needed to mm-hmm. get in shape. He was about thirty pounds overweight, and he had to drive the car basically to keep their company afloat because mm-hmm. he was the name, right? The Petty. Sorry, did his son die in a in like a race? In accident? a wreck? No, it was in a practice. It was after the race. Mm-hmm. They had or after a practice session. One day he went out when he didn't have that Hans thing attached to his helmet, and from what I understand is he went around the cor- course. Something happened in the car. Car hit the wall. Mm-hmm. He died on impact. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, another wreck happened a week or two later with Dale Earnhardt, and then they made the rule that everybody has to wear this helmet, right. this harness from now on. Yeah, yeah and that um, – no, Is that, that just like a harness that keeps the neck from yeah. breaking, basically? Yeah, yeah stabilized so it can't snap yeah, forward. Yeah. And um, he uh, – Kyle trained with me. We trained that summer, and he lost a bunch of weight. And previous to that, though, I want to mention that right before that, I decided, like, this is something I'm gifted at. I enjoy it. And this certification isn't okay, and I, I need to. I want to have something better. Mm-hmm. So I figured out what was the hardest certification to get, mm-hmm. and I got the NSCA CSCS, which, you know, I still believe certifications are bullshit. To mm-hmm. be really, really honest, mm-hmm. but I wanted to get something that was the gold standard. And yeah. at that time, you didn't have to have a degree specific to exercise science to take it. Yeah. Now you do. I mm-hmm. was in like the last class that was grandfathered in. And I studied for that thing, dude, for about a year. Yeah. And, and I, you know, went to the test because I'm, I'm a learned extrovert. And I'm in line, and they say, like, 70% of people fail this test the first yeah. time you take it. And literally we're in line, like, Virginia Commonwealth, and the dude in front of me is like a professor of kinesiology and somebody else behind me. These kids are, <laughs> you know, I'm like, raise your hand if you failed this test. And people raise their hand all around me. And I was like, shit, I'm yeah. going to fail. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I mean, raise your hand. <laughs> yeah. Well, sure enough, dude, I, I took it, and I passed the first yeah. time, like, Look at like a 96 on the nice. practical and a 71 on the science. Passed mm. by one point. Wow. And I was like, yes. Yeah. And it was cool because as soon as I passed that, Kyle walked in like the next day. It's kind of those like when you do what mm. you're supposed to do, things mm-hmm. happen, deals. Yeah. And uh, so I traveled the country with him for almost two full seasons. Oh, cool. Yeah. And got right to go on. to 32 races a year in different cities. And my job was to find us a gym, you know, and get a place to work out. And I got to meet cool people. Oh, that's great. I tried to use that time to culture myself and mm. um, get out. And Because Kyle was like, man, we're done training. Go do what you want to do. Mm. So I would, you know, sightsee and have fun. And at the same time, I would try to find somebody who knew more than I did. Yeah. And learn something from them to add to my toolkit. Yeah. At minimum, I just watch all the people in the gym and, you know, see what I don't want to teach anybody yeah, to do. Yeah, plenty yeah. of that. I got to meet some great coaches along the way as well. Yeah. Uh, and during that time... I uh, was introduced to Ricky Prohl, who is um, who is this place? Yes, That's, uh, we drove up here, and I and I'm looking at the sign, going, "That's not how you spell prolific." Right, right. Because right. I never heard. Of that. No, yeah. Elena was like, "It's a guy." I was like, yeah, oh, okay. yeah. Ricky played NFL football for 17 seasons. Yeah, he um, played for five different teams, and he went to the Super Bowl with three of those teams. Nice. He's won, I believe, three Super Bowl rings: two with the Rams, one with the. Um, Colts. He yeah. actually was injured during that game, though, when they were in the championship. So he owns this gym. He does. Yeah, yeah he's awesome, man. Kyle Petty and Ricky are very similar. Mm-hmm. You know, they're good. They're great dudes um, who who both care a lot about people yeah. more, really, more than anything. Yeah. You know, um, their stories are a little different for sure. Uh, so, I, I, 2006, I, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't really leave doing what I was doing with NASCAR. It was like too much fun. I was like, dude, this is like the gig. Why would mm-hmm. I not do this? 
by the time uh, that got over with 2008, I guess that ended 2008-ish, uh, it started to kind of roll the ball of I might need to try something different because me and my mom started clashing heads. And there was some stuff going on in my personal life rearing its head too that needed mm-hmm. to be addressed. Yep. Um, so in 2010 is when I decided to leave that my mom's place in July of 2010, and I got the opportunity to come here uh, and start to run this business. Yeah. And at that time, they didn't have adult fitness here. You know, we're in a 70,000 square foot facility. We have an arena football field inside the building, three basketball courts outside. We have soccer fields, baseball fields. We're a family sports complex. Originally opened as a place for kids to come and have a safe environment to learn. Yeah, there's a program here. Um, it's Power of Play Power program. Of play, yeah. yeah. It's Ricky's foundation, that. something he started when he was in St. Louis. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, they make an impact on the community and get kids in. Um, you know, to a safe environment, basically. And some of these kids have some real stories, man. Mm, I'm sure um, they do. But I came in, at the time when I first got here, I was going to work with adults and kids. And then they ended up bringing in a guy named Joe Ken, who uh, is now the head strength conditioning coach for the Carolina Panthers. He's a legendary strength conditioning mm-hmm. coach. I, I tried to be smart enough that, you know, when they said, hey, we think we're having this guy coming, so we want you to hold off on doing any strength training with kids until we see what happens. And I immediately looked him up and, you know, he was the man, dude. Mm-hmm. He's uh, NSCA coach of the year on the collegiate level. He coached at, you know, Arizona State, Boise State, Louisville. And he had just, from what I saw from the outside in, it got to the point where you go through that carousel and coaching. If a head coach goes, a strength coach goes, no matter how good they are. Mm-hmm. And he got sick of that, you know, and he mm-hmm. tired of getting shifted around and, and decided to do something private. Uh, and, or, excuse me. Um, have a you know, have a private business, yeah, yeah I guess so, yeah, as opposed yeah. to working for the university, which is totally different, you mm-hmm. know, and it was neat because we got just as much as he was like this huge mentor. I mean, I, the first day I met him, Joe's like a six freaking foot three, 300 pound dude of all chin, you know, and then I come in the room and I'm like, look, dude, I know who you are. I've read your book. I would, I'll clean weights and sit in the corner if you'll let me be in here while you're coaching kids because I want to learn from you. Yeah. And he looks at me and he's like, you, you got balls. You're in. You know? <laughs> and I was like, yes. And we started training together, like working out together, nice. uh, as well as me trying to learn a system. You know? So, um, yeah, man, from there, that was great. I started doing what I do with adults. And, uh, you know, that's where the story gets a little more interesting mm. in that personally – I experienced some big growth around that time too. You know, yeah. in December of 2010, I'd been at Prolific Park from July to December. Um, and the truth is, like, I grew up, my father was a drug addict alcoholic who passed away, and I struggled with some of those things as well. How old were you? Uh, I was 30. I'm 38 now, so I was 32. When he passed away? No, when my dad passed away, I was 28. All right. On. Yeah. 20, 20, he passed away in 2008. Um, it wasn't when I was little. I mean, yeah. he died like that really bad alcoholic. I don't have teeth in my mouth. I drink mm-hmm. every day. Terrible death. Jesus. And, uh, you know, he was in and out of my life as a kid. And, you know, it, it is what it is. I've, I've now doing some, some work, inner child healing stuff that is painful yeah. <laughs> and dealing with some of it. And cause I'm emotionally available for the first time in my life to really be able to do that work, you know? Um, but with that being said, in 2010, it was my turn to, to face the music and that the physique I had built was a great mask for some for me not taking care of myself really on the inside. Mm. And, you know, drugs were a part of my story, too. Yeah. And um, it was taking its toll on me big time. And so that year, in December 4th, 2010, I decided I need some help. And I, um, I disappeared for a little while, you know, for about a month and, and went and got some help. And then... Um, like literally disappear? Like, you, did you go to a rehab? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I didn't, you know, as far as clientele and business, I didn't really, wasn't real open. I didn't say, I'm going to rehab. Yeah. You know, it was more like, I, I need help. And, yeah. you know, I was mar- I had been married for some time, and me and my, and it was taking a toll on everything. We had little kids. My son was two months old, and I was, mm. I was out of control, man. And looking at it now, a lot of it was fear, you know, and not having the skills that I needed and, and just doing the best I could based on what I'd learned growing up. It's amazing. Know? It's amazing that like you could have, you, you're so, um, uh, like so strong, uh, like mentally, you know, like you had already put yourself through so much stuff and, and behind those closed doors, like everyone's going through their thing. You just, that's, that's a testament to like, yeah. you never know what battles people are dealing with when on the outside they're so, they present, you know, like you're helping people. Yeah, it was tough. You know, when I first came back 
first of all, I went to treatment and then I came back to work because I had to make money. I get paid by who I'm with. Mm-hmm. And, and at that time I decided, you know, that I needed, I, it wasn't going to be enough to just disappear for one month, you know, I had to go to treatment. And I decided to move into an Oxford house, which is like a, it's like a three quarters house. So mm-hmm. like in a halfway house, you get out of treatment and now you get half of your life back. You have mm-hmm. to be in at a certain time and do all stuff. In a three quarters scenario, you get a little bit more privileges. And yeah. I needed and it. And then dude. you got check-ins. Yeah, yeah. And I needed that. And I lived in that house for seven months, you know, away from my family. And um, I came here to prolific and I'll get emotional, but like we didn't have this adult fitness center at that time. We just had these batting cages and my equipment was in it. And <laughs> coach Ken got a chance to go work with the Carolina Panthers. And he, you know, I, I, he told me, he was, he was like, I want you to run my system. And I remember looking at him and being like, great, Coach Ken was here, and now it's Blaze Thompson. And right. he looked at me and he said, well, you shut up because you're really good. Yeah. And when I go, nobody will even know I was here. You know, and I was like, holy shit. Like, it, it blew me away. And I went home that night and I, I teared up because in fitness, you don't validate yourself. You know what I mean? You just, I mean, who, a lot of times the reason pick a, people pick a trainer, 90% of it is because of the way the person looks, you know? Yeah. But unfortunately – as a result of some of the things that I had just come through with my addiction, the park wasn't really comfortable with me doing that mm. at that time. And that was painful and hard. And so they, without addressing it around in a roundabout way, it, they were like, just keep doing adults for now. Mm-hmm. And so I did, you know, I, I put my head down, I busted my ass, man. And I, mm. uh, I not only built my business, but I kind of like reformulated my life in that time. Mm. So, um, yeah, dude, that was really one of the most courageous seven months of my life and toughest, you know, uh, to take that first layer of the onion off and then tackle my addiction and this family heritage of that. And, and at the same time, start a business from the ground up. Cause I really had just been surviving when I first got here. Yeah. And that's when we really started to put the pieces together and it was beautiful. I mean, things just started happening. It was awesome. Uh, and then after a amount of time here, the park was like, Whoa, dude, they, there's a need for adults and they, dumped in a bunch of money and built this center. And I could talk about the journey of learning how to be a manager, learning Mm -hmm. how to adjust my expectations based on the things I'm not in control of. Just so much growth and learning in that time. Um, I think it's really cool that you stayed. I think it's pretty powerful that you stayed here. I think it'd be really easy to um, really hide into that, um, that like rejection because that must've felt like rejection. So he says, coach Kim, Coach Ken. Ken. Yeah. So he says you're good at this and you need to do this. And the and the the gym makes a business decision. Right. You know, they make a decision based on like, you know, hey man, we like you, but we got three hundred people and we've yeah. got a whole business here and we have our reputation. And so that it was it's on the one hand, they were willing to take a risk and like let you even stay. You had some guy being really behind you, but it's really cool, I think, and really powerful that you respected this gym's kind of decision mm-hmm. and and kind of hung in and stayed there. It would have been really easy to just be like, I like that is it, this is all just hurts too much and too weird. I just got to go, I got to go start over again. Yeah. Well, I mean, the truth is, Ricky has done a lot for me and been a good man to me. And mm-hmm. like when I first got back. It's cool I that just, you're respected their I decision him, and all that. You know, I addressed him right off the bat and was like, here's exactly what happened. Here's the mm. truth. And I'd like to be here if, you'll, if you want me here. And he said, I want you here. Mm. You know, And the rest of the stuff that played out, it is what it is. Mm. And nothing that's happened it has been a coincidence in my life. I mm. found that to be true. You know, um, And so I've just tried to keep doing the next thing you know, and get some perspective. You know, I... Uh, it's been neat. I mean, dude, I've gotten to do a lot of cool stuff here. I've gotten to do a lot of cool stuff in my business as a fitness person, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of the, but some of the most rewarding things to me are, you know, when I worked for my mom, she had me give this speech right at the, it was the Greensboro Coliseum Fitness Festival, and there were like mm-hmm. two thousand people there. Mm-hmm. I was twenty. 24 years old, you know, yeah. I've been first doing this and I was never afraid to talk in front of people. But at the same time, this was like, Oh shit, I got to do this tomorrow. You know, like, <laughs> and it was once again, one of those things where I sat down and got quiet and said, what do you want me to say? You know? And, uh, this idea of the one, two, three just came into my head. It was really simple. It's what I taught people already. It was just a way to word it one day a week to the balance, the ter- approach to fitness one day a week to plan and execute nutrition two days a week, minimum strength training to get results and three days a week cardio. Mm. And if you put those three things together, 
you can attain a healthy body fat percentage. Mm-hmm. It just works every time. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't, it's because you're not doing one of those three. And mm-hmm. you don't have to you know, lift the gym or eat like a rabbit. You just have to have the balance and synergy of doing them together. Mm-hmm. And um, with that, I've based a lot of my business off of that. And I'm a simple dude. I, I try to have a one, two, three marketing approach and a one, two, three business mm-hmm. and teach yeah, that yeah. to the guys under me. You know, and I've, you know, two of the biggest gifts I've had is having um, interns and seeing them flourish. um, Some of them have done, I've been able to teach kids how to make $75,000 a year, Mm -hmm. you know? And um, the other thing is the people, you know, the clients and the individual lives you affect, you really are doing more than just not meathead bullcrap teaching my left weight. You're helping Mm -hmm. them. Some people change their life. I I had a lady, I've had several now, been very fortunate to have people do incredibly caring and loving things for me as a result of my Mm -hmm. relationship with them. But, some of them are the ones that aren't – it's like I was doing a roll call because I'll roll call boot camp, you know, and mm-hmm. we do weigh-ins. And I remember seeing this girl's name on the list, and I forget it, Ashley Knight. And the year before, she was like five foot nothing and 260 pounds or something, mm-hmm. big girl, you know. Mm-hmm. And I called the name to bring the person into body fat assessment, and in walks this person. And I was like, Ashley Knight? She was like, yeah, I did boot camp last year. And I was like, she had lost like 130 wow. pounds, right? And I looked at her. And the first thing that went off in my head was, damn, she got a good trainer. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who this guy is. Yeah, somebody is. hooked her up. You know? <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, what did you do? What have you been doing? Yeah. And she's like, all I've done is what you taught me, the one, two, three, for the past nice. year. And I was just like, it literally stopped me. And I teared up and yeah. was like, turn around and started assessing her. You know? But it was just such a gift you know, because it's not me at all. Right. It, it just... It's the basics, and it works if you work it, period. That crazy? Yeah. And that's what, you know, now in my journey with the next layer of the onion that's being taken off, I'm going through some personal stuff again. You know, I, I've realized and found a, a whole nother level of work I need to do, like some walls that were built around my heart that were just taken down in a flash. Mm-hmm. And it's got me the rawest and most sensitive and the core spiritual me, you know, and I'm learning how to wield that and and – it is hard, mm-hmm. you know, and to really be who I was as a little kid, I was this, you know, unconditionally loving spirit that has shows a lot of empathy, and uh, I built all these walls around it for years, you know. But like the heart of that is, I want to find a deeper way to express that in what I do, you know, and and health and showing up in the gym and it is a way to really care for yourself, you know, and that's the real gift that these people get that. It's the same gift that I get is that when you show up consistently and you take actions that align with your values, you know, you get a chance to feel okay. And what really is taking care of ourselves? You know, a lot mm-hmm. of times it's just sitting still. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to learn how to incorporate more of that into what I do uh, for the people who are open to it. Cause some people just aren't, I mean, like yeah. we try to work in yoga days and, mindful meditation and you just have people that refuse it yeah yeah Yeah. you know elena and i were just having that conversation on the way over here about the concept of stress and um meditation i I was telling her that i'm like i'm this close to be like bringing meditation into my daily Mm -hmm. life you know it's it's i'm in i must have listened to a hundred people talk about it you know and and it's just unanimous and you know Mm -hmm. anecdotally and science based um, talk on that meditation is nothing but incredible mm-hmm. and good for you. And, and so I, we were talking about just what you were saying, like y- you need to build in like that downtime, like it exercises stress. And so that's what I was saying to her. So you spend your day stressed about paying the bills, stressed about, you know, I got to go to the grocery store. I got to get my kids there. I got to do this stuff, stress, 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 stress. And then you go to the gym and you work out hard, mm-hmm. stress, stress, stress. So your body is reacting to stress. Your body thinks you're in a, a fight. Right. You know, so your body's stressed. And so when are you getting your no stress? You're just not, you know, and you re- and it's so important to build in. Um, we have this, you know, uh, my fiance and I have this kind of joke about how I have my box of nothing, you know, that I pull out every once in a while where I just do nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, I just sit there and she'll laugh. She'll be like, you're not good when you don't have anything to do. Cause she'll, you know, I'll be sitting in a chair and she'll go away and go do a whole bunch of stuff. She'll come back and I'll just still be sitting in that chair. You know, and it's like, yeah, but 
those times, man, sometimes you just got to do it. Yeah. You got to do it. I find it definitely the practice of it to be something that at times I'll avoid, you know, Mm -hmm. and and I have some ritual that I've tried to really create and to get at least 15 minutes of meditation a Mm -hmm. day, but some other stuff I'm, you know, trying to do. And I I find that it's uncomfortable for me Mm -hmm. where I'm at right now and dealing with and, and bringing up some of the stuff from my past and my childhood that I am that, it's hard to sit with just me, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm sure. working on that and learning how to love myself through those actions that, so I'm worthy of it and mm-hmm. what that really looks like. Um, and it's neat in our programming, some of the things that we've always worked in. So like why I like our PSP adult class in the model that we teach so much is it's yearly periodization, right? We try to use like a collegiate format, but instead of us playing softball or football, our sport is go to the beach, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. The first part of the year, the first quarter of the year is considered stronger. So in this period of year, the majority of our programming is going to be like a four to six rep range on primary lifts Mm -hmm. to build a foundation. Mm -hmm. We run four weeks of programming and have one week of deload. And then once every three months, try to have like a total off week where we incorporate more yoga and stuff like that. Um, The second second segment of the year is healthy. So now we bump the rep ranges up a little bit. Uh, and really work on connective tissue and, you know, it's more of a hypertrophy training, but we keep some aspects of that stronger always mm. all, all parts of the year flow into each other. So heading to this part of the year is the latter parts of the summer we're in better. So it's two metabolic conditioning sessions a week with one, um, heavy strength training day in the middle, just to kind of help burn off that last little bit of fat with that, you know, interval anabolic calorie burn that you get. Uh, same thing though. Every fourth week we try to deload. We always have that third month where we try to give another extra week of reset, and then the last part of the year is just called maintain because most people gain anywhere from 10 to 15 pounds during the holidays. And so mm-hmm. it's like at all costs, just don't lose your results mm-hmm. from the beginning of the year. And let's make it through these holidays by looking at our food and have a little contest to keep that stuff mm-hmm. up. You know, I've always thought this one, two, three, and it's been brought to my attention that like though the one, two, three sounds really good. There's definitely a need for four, you know, mm-hmm. like that. And, and I just don't know how to present it yet. Mm-hmm. Like the meditation piece, the mindfulness, um, yeah, when you get into this practicality of doing it and dealing mm-hmm. with it, you get a lot of these people that come into the gym and they're just like looking at their watch. Like, yeah, oh, I got I got an hour. Well, dude. It's just like, what we were talking this. about earlier with veganism and and some of its culture, mm-hmm. you know, and some of its. Unfortunately, I, I don't like getting into this stuff, but some of its religion, you know, and mm-hmm. like some people are just so set in their ways that they they can't even hear you when you begin to talk about stuff like mm-hmm. that, and that's unfortunate, you know, because mm-hmm. for I'm I definitely consider myself to be spiritual not religious you know Mm -hmm. and i I think it's important i think every spiritual leader you know every person from you know jesus to buddha sat still right you know i mean jesus went off by himself a lot right and that's and i'm not like pro anybody i'm just saying Mm -hmm. you know that that's i think that's overlooked i mean to me it's about love and I really believe one of the reasons for me right now i have trouble sitting with myself is because i had to learn more about that and Mm -hmm. i think you know, not to sound so like, we could save the world if everyone sat still. Mm-hmm. You know, in a way, I think it would give us a little more perspective. Absolutely. I know I spent a lot of my life before recovery looking at the glass as half full, like I just did. And when I got clean, I started looking at the glass, excuse me, looking at the glass as half empty. Right. When I got clean, I looked at the glass as half full. Yeah. You know, I was able to see like, okay, I was negative, more negative than fear-based and with the recent events in my life and this next level of the onion, what the truth is that I found is like the glass is full. Mm-hmm. It's been overflowing. Mm-hmm. It's just my perspective. Right on. You know, yep. where am I at? And that that's what's neat about and where I'm trying to be with mindfulness and that when I'm in the moment right now and I'm not living forward or living backwards, that's really when I'm, you know, for lack of a better term, with God, yeah. you know, and, I, and I'm allowing myself to be loved. It's because I'm not trying to control or worry, and that doesn't mean I don't plan and have all these things in place to do. It just means I just do them one thing at a time. And you're choosing to be happy in the moment. Yeah, which is what's neat about my journey and how it relates to fitness and how recovery relates to it too, because that consistently is about do the next right thing, do one thing at a time, you yeah. know. And yeah. shrink training and weightlifting and fitness is about just show up today. You know, like I teach people with food all the time. I watch people with food blow it and then blow it the rest of the day. And I teach that you eat an interval throughout the day. You know, like I've I've always, and I'm changing some of that stuff a little bit now and how I teach food, but you have to have consistency. And if at 
noon, you eat Bojangles with a freaking, if you haven't tried Bojangles, by the way, in North Carolina, you need to. It's pretty <laughs> good. they have a vegan option, yeah. I might. They, they, you know, just go for it. Eat, eat, the, eat the skin only. <laughs> um, <laughs> just get some of that fried. The deal is, um, if you have Bojangles with an orange sun kissed and a little Debbie from the gas station, yeah. the worst thing you can do is screw up later on the day you know like it's, right. it's it's give up for that day right because if you'll get back on the train immediately three hours later and you'll do what you're supposed to do your yeah. body maintains a better balance right. you yeah. know but when you fall off the train and then you completely go off the track for the rest of the day you set yourself back three days you know yeah. it's like just live in the moment mm-hmm. it's okay you're you're merited the opportunity to enjoy a freaking life it's yeah. not it doesn't have to be this all or nothing thing and i'm preaching it but i gotta freaking practice it yeah, so, that's where. But, you, I, but you're you're really getting. Sounds like you're getting better and better in your life at at not beating yourself up over it. Yeah, you know, and it sounds like that's what you teach your people too, which is huge. Yeah, it's funny. I had this girl last week um, where we're going over food, and I just I've learned that awareness is important for me, and I've known it all along for my clients. Man, I was doing this stuff ten years, fifteen years ago where we would grade food charts and hand them out and give them feedback. But now I just can approach it on a little deeper level, I guess. I've always tried to be intuitive. It's just part of my nature and get to the whys for mm-hmm. people and, and really connect with them on their food, you know, years ago. But as I'm reading this to this girl, it's like you got 42 opportunities in a week to do the right thing. And this, and this girl had like 30 misses in four days right. or something. <laughs> I'm like, and she just starts crying, overwhelmed with it. And her mom's mm-hmm. right there and, you know, her mom is, you know, definitely. Is this a girl who's sort of overweight and struggling? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. not like super bad, but pretty uh, bad. You yeah, can yeah. tell she it's been a challenge. And mm-hmm. we all beat herself up in some degree, I believe. And, mm-hmm. But her mom's right there with the whole codependent, like, hugger mm-hmm. in the middle of it. And I was like, look, can you just give us a second together, mm-hmm. you know? And her mom went out, and I didn't, like, say anything magic to her. I just told her what the truth is, you know, and that we all have, you know, we all struggle with taking care of ourselves, and that you don't have to fix this whole entire thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like this is about awareness. This is the truth. And now you can look at it and we can pick one tiny piece and let's just work on one piece this mm-hmm. week. You know, let's look at the top three or four things that are wrong with your food. And then now let's take three options and you can pick the one of the three you think will be the easiest to do. Right. And for her, it was like, try to eat protein consistently at breakfast, right? And so for the next week, you still write everything down that you do, but the only thing that I'll grade is whether you ate protein, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, And then we can pick something else the next week. And dude, you know, and then I gave her a big hug and told her I loved her, whatever, and that Mm -hmm. she's okay. And Mm -hmm. so within a week, it was really neat. And now who knows what it'll be like a year from now. I hope that I changed her life forever, (laughs) right? But. I do know this. She brought another friend in, yeah. and she. I started going over the food with that girl, and she sat there and taught her everything that I had taught her two weeks mm, before. Because that first time she came in to grade the food chart, she obviously hadn't read the material. But then after that, she did. Mm. Something something lit. And she was able to teach everything to mm. her friend pretty much as well as I taught it to her. And mm. it's not like I'm you know, like a board-certified national-ranked nutritionist. It's just yeah. like everything's about basics yeah. and doing it consistently. Yeah, That's awesome. Yeah. What I used to do, um, which sounds, you know, it's all very similar. Number one, my gym didn't have one mirror in it. Hmm. And two, you know, I didn't have a, um, a specific way. I always dealt with stuff. But um, but generally speaking, the their experience in my gym always started with, for starters, you're good the way you are. You know what I mean? Like, like let's just get that right over with like you're good the way you are i like that you know what i mean you gotta you we're we're just accepting you now you're accepting you and just try to deliver that and i may steal that that's how you get good stuff as you steal it when you hear yeah, it for yeah, the record yeah. i'm gonna right, take right that on. right on but it, you know what i mean it, it's and it just tried to that was a that was a culture that i tried to to breed in the gym for one but really deal with and it's and 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 it's extremely genuine like that's how i am like i like my favorite clients were the ones that were not athletes not ripped, not, you know, not in great shape. They were just, just the people that like love coming there and just like, and you could see the biggest thing that I saw is how they just felt better and better about themselves. Right. That was it. That's all it was about. Cause it doesn't matter. Like, so, you know, I would, I would joke. I'd be like, some people are just born ugly. Hmm. You know what I mean? You're ugly. I'm ugly. Like it doesn't, you know what I mean? It's not, it's not what this is about. This is about 
feeling good about yourself right and learning how to be happy with yourself who you are where you are 24 7 you know and then you're that whole thing just sets you up for this like you know like we said sort of before the podcast like that one you get one chance at this life you get mm. one chance like don't and it, we're all guilty of it but it, to, you know you keep trying to grow this ability kind of like muscle memory you try to grow this ability to just get better and better at like just not beating yourself up and being happy in the moment mm. and take advantage of this one one opportunity we get I agree. Yeah. That's a good one. And that's tough. That's that's like sort of what you're saying with um trying to build that stuff into the program. Mm-hmm. These people is it, you know, you got to you got to get I don't know it's it's like a it's like you know we're always struggling for like those magic words, you know, like I just want to I want to just throw the aha moment at you. Right. So you can feel like no matter what it is like but people got to go through it on their own. Yeah, I think that's also just pondering it here is I think that's why it's important maybe to have a you know just like we do when we first train somebody at who are you you know check in mm, on that I mean yeah. I, a lot of people that right now with this program that we run that's five days a week big time accountability I've got some folks that have been doing it for like two years mm. you know and then life life hit one of them here recently mm. and he's moving and ended up tearing his bicep away mm. from the gym doing something trying to pick up something he shouldn't have he's like mm. 60 he retires soon mm. He's lost a ton of weight. He's done really well. But what happens now? Like, who are you? Mm-hmm. If you retire in a year and you're going to move to the beach, are you a guy who needs to get a trainer at the beach immediately? Or mm-hmm. have you really accepted this and now you'll do it for yourself? Mm-hmm. You know? And he's, um, I don't know. I, I think that might be playing part of it. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, again, I think meditation and so might be so important because it gives you a chance to grant, gain self-awareness of that. I mean, I, I think they're just people who are always going to be wired to need accountability for certain aspects. I mean, most of these guys, like right now, I'm real fortunate to have some big wig dudes. I mean, mm. one of the guys I train is like the president of a $300 billion company, right? right? I mean, he is, I call him the legend. Yeah. Like his, if you listen to all the stories this guy's told me about his life, like it's a trip. Yeah. I'm like, dude, there is no way that's true. Right? <laughs> He's like... In 1976, I beat Jimmy Connors. He's got access. I beat Jimmy Connors in a, in a tennis tournament in the Caribbean place. And I'm like, that's <laughs> bullshit. And uh, I was a Golden Gloves boxer place. You know, all these things. I'm like, come on, man. And sure enough, and I was a lead guitarist in, in mini bands. Right. So, like, <laughs> yeah. So, one year, one day, I get to go to his house, man, because we're going to eat sushi off of his and yacht. There's all the photos, right? Yeah, dude, I go in the basement, and there is a picture of a 16 year old him cheese and hard with a massive trophy and jimmy connor's in the background like oh yeah there's like <laughs> six awesome. stratocaster guitars you know i mean it was he's the most legit dude but he and is classic his- for showing up and destroying himself for mm. three four months and losing 30 pounds and then disappearing mm. and gaining it all back and coming back and you starting know? all over yeah. he doesn't he knows who he is at yeah. work yeah. he doesn't really know who he is outside of that in some ways in regards to fitness you know and then that's like how psychological do you go yeah, with that stuff yeah, i mean yeah. like I, I'm well curious. like um, i suppose you could talk to him about hey, does that make you happy yeah is that making you happy or is it or are you coming back because you've reached your level of unhappiness yeah you know like the concept of like I can't motivate you. I can't motivate you to change, to do whatever you want to do. You need to do that. I might be able to inspire you, but I can't motivate you. Mm-hmm. You need to reach your level of discomfort, unhappiness, pain to motivate yourself to make change, regardless of what it, you know what the the subject is. So is he? Is every three months is he reaching his? boiling point of pain and yeah, discomfort. I gets, yeah, I think he gets to I'm fat and miserable, you know, yeah. and gets aware of it. Or is he But part of it is the nature of what he does too. I mean, I think he and the expectations. Like I've been coaching him for years now to do the minimum. Like you would sustain the weight loss on the off three months yeah on the yeah. off just do yeah. the, the i mean dude you can do 20 minutes of cardio and help your heart muscle mm. you just don't eat the worst foods and if you drink alcohol know that keep track of how much you're doing you mm. know if you're not an alcoholic or whatever then you should be able to to let to see the times that you're you're putting in too many calories mm. you know what i mean that's just the way you have to look at that and hold yeah. yourself at minimum write it down so you can look at it. You know, you yeah. can you can text that part to me. Send mm-hmm. me a picture and we can keep you on track. But Yeah, like literally just take a picture yeah. of what you're eating and, and drinking at the moment. You know, I learned from a, a guy that's in shape here that works out here that's just a, in great shape in his fifties that 
The real simple routine you can do in a hotel, wherever you are, is three times three times 30. Pick any three mm-hmm. exercises you want for three sets of 30 reps. Mm-hmm. I mean, dude, exactly. 30 jumping jacks three times in a row, so, super thrown in a circuit with sit-ups and push-ups. Just Boom. kick your, you know, you kick your butt real yep. quick yep. while you're on vacation. So Yeah, I, I give people this, this image of I give you a Rolodex. Mm-hmm. I give you your library of, of uh, exercises. I'll show you 100 and I'll teach you how to flip through your Rolodex and pick out the three or four exercises. And same sort of thing you just do in your living room. You can do it in the hotel in yeah. 20 minutes. Yeah, and I, I've built And it can of, kick your ass. Yeah, well, there's so much you can do with body weight. The big one is just pull exercises. Mm-hmm. And that's where like, you know, now we got TRX straps. I teach mm-hmm. people, you know, like prison workouts, how to hang towels over doors mm-hmm. and things like that. Yeah. Um, so, Pulling yeah. is a tricky one. Pulling is tricky. But you know what you could do? You ever seen those... Um, have you seen those furniture sliders? You mm-hmm. can buy them at like a, you know, yeah. they slide on the rug. Those can get a little pulling. If you yeah. can do some, you could do some sliding kind of like lat. Well, I'm telling you, I can, I'll show you like three or four things you can do with a towel right now, yeah, just yeah. on a door. And yeah. especially in hotels, we have those big fire doors that it, it kills it. It may oh, destroy your it back. The, yeah. yeah. I mean, you have to be careful to slide off there, but yeah. 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 And the TRX hook on those things too. Cause there are things like, you know, if you want to do it, you can, I can give you all body weight. But on his three months off, you'll be okay without pulling for a little while. Mm-hmm. Just do it. Just get your heart rate yeah. up, sweat. And, you know, plank work, bear crawls, things like yeah, that. Yeah, work yeah. Those areas yeah like bear crawls are pretty, like, kind of a pull, kind of a lat, if, yeah. you, if you think about it. A little bit. Push-ups can be, too.